It's good to see you guys today. We're starting a brand new series. We're going to be looking at the book of Acts. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, it seems like Tiffany and I get stuck in these situations sometimes where you're watching a really good show and it's like you're really into it. And then before you even know it, those three words pop up on the screen to be continued. And it's like, you're just like, ah, I just invested all my time and my emotions in this only to find out I've got to come back later to find out what happens, right? Or maybe you're into a really good series on TV and you're watching it and then you get to the end and realize that was the season finale. And now you've got to wait months until you find out what happens next. Or Tiffany and I have done this several times. You find a really good show on Netflix and you just binge watch that thing, right? You're really into it. till so you get to the end only to discover that the season got canceled. And now you're never going to know what happens. You've just got to make up your own ending because the show is never going to come back on again. Well, as we look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a sequel. It is a part two, and we're actually going to start in the part two rather than the part one, but we'll look exactly at what that means here in just a little bit. But it is a sequel. It's a book about what happened next as Jesus' life put this mission into motion, right? We talked about last week that Jesus came and he created a movement. He wasn't just here to give religious talks and do religious things. Jesus' life was to create a movement that we know as the church. And we are the church, not the building, but the people who follow after Christ in the book of Acts and the people who follow after Christ today We are the church. And so I want to encourage you to read along with us. What we're going to be doing is we're going to take a highlight out of one chapter each week. And so this week we're going to take a highlight out of chapter one. Next week, follow along with me right here, we're going to take a highlight out of chapter two. So you can, this week I encourage you, read something in chapter two. I encourage you to take a day this week when you would read chapter two. Or maybe even you read chapter two each day this week. And then when you get here next week, you know what's happening. You know what's going on. And I mean, they're just short little chapters. So I encourage you to do that. Even if you're low on time, just uh, you can pull up the audio Bible, listen to it. You'll have it between point A and point B, and you'll, you'll be listening to it this week. So I encourage you, put chapter 2 in your brains this week, in your hearts, in your spirits, so that you'll be ready uh, next week. And you can also catch up on chapter 1 this week if you'd like to. Also, just a little side plug. Uh, if you don't have uh, version, the Bible app, those are great things to put on your devices, whether it's your laptop, your desktop, your your iPad, your phone, whatever it may be. You've got all different sorts of reading plans. You can get a reading plan and go through the book of Acts on there if you want, uh, or daily devotionals that you can read through there. So I encourage you to pick one of those up to where you can always just be putting the Word of God in your life. And also, uh, we've always uh, got devotionals and different 10 minutes with God going uh, that you can find on our social media and our, our website. So it's a great way for you guys to grow as well. But I encourage you to be reading along with us. The Bible is really important to us here. I know you're thinking, well, this is church, Adam. It should be, right? 
Well, it's not always that way. Um, it is for us here, though, at Rock Hills. We want it to be at the very center of who we are and what we do. So even when we're not necessarily going through a book study, we're always going to be basing everything we share with you guys on Scripture because that's what it's all about. We believe that because God has called us to love Him and to serve others, that that's His, His charge to us through the Word of God that we need to focus on the Word of God. So we're always going to do that in everything that we share with you guys from the stage here. So as we look at the book of Acts, uh, just to give you a little bit uh, of Bible insight here, there are some uh, chapters and, and books within the New Testament that are what we would call prescriptive. In other words, they give you kind of a prescription of what you're supposed to do. This is how you should live as a believer. This is how you should be as a church. If you're seeking God, you know, these are the prescriptions, right? So there are books in the New Testament that are prescriptive. There are also books in the New Testament that are descriptive. In other words, they describe what God is doing and what's going on. The book of Acts is both of those. In the book of Acts, we will find things that are prescriptive, that tell us how to live, that tell us how to experience God. And you're also going to have a lot of descriptive that describes what is going on now that Jesus has ascended into heaven and the church is beginning. So we're going to see both the prescriptive and the descriptive. And this week is just going to be kind of an introduction because that's what chapter one kind of is. It introduces part two of the sequel. You know, much like when you watch that new episode of that show that you're really into, sometimes it begins with that previously on whatever the show is, and it kind of catches you up on what just happened. So as we open up chapter 1, verse 1, we basically get a previously in the life of Christ. So that's where we're going to pick up right here. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this, in my first book, so we see this is the second book, right? In my first book, Theophilus, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So right off the bat, we see that this is a sequel. It's part two to the first book that he just referred to. And this can be a little bit tricky because... Most of the places, whether we're talking the Old Testament or the New Testament, when you have a second book, it's usually got the number two in front of it, right? And there is no second Acts. It's just Acts. Usually when you have a second book, you've got first and second Samuel. You've got first and second Peter. You've got first and second and third John. So usually they number them, but we don't see that in this book. So this book is a little bit different, but it is a second book. It is a sequel uh, because we see him say in my first book, and he tells us that his first book was about Jesus's time on earth. So we know that the first book was one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. So we can narrow it down to one of those four that is this writer's first book. Now, John always names his books after himself, so we can pretty much eliminate John because this one isn't called John, so it's one of the synoptic Gospels. You've got Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and we can find out real quick which one of those it is as we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1, and honestly, when I think of Luke, I think of it starting off with the story of Jesus and his birth, you know, the beginning, but that's actually not how it starts off. As we look at the first four verses, 
it's going to give us a clue that shows us that Luke is actually the author of Acts as well. Luke 1.1 says, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I have also decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable, here's that word again, Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. Now, this is important for several reasons right here as we look back at Luke. First of all, he's talking to this person named Theophilus. Now, Theophilus literally means loved by God. So there's two schools of thought. One school is he's talking to people who are loved by God. He's talking to the people that God loves, which is you and me, and which would have been the the people back in that day as well. But more than likely, Theophilus is an actual person because it was a common name back at the time uh, of the writing. And as we study church history, we can probably see Theophilus is who Luke was employed by. Now, Luke was a very intelligent man. He was a physician. Now, also likely, Luke was probably a slave but not in the way that you and I would think of a slave. In other words, he is an indentured employee of this man, Theophilus. Now, Theophilus is a believer, and he's a good man. We can see through these scriptures that he has discovered Christ, and he has discovered the calling of Jesus upon his life because Luke says, I investigated everything, and what you thought was true, I want to prove to you that it is true. So Luke has a great deal of admiration for Theophilus, the man that he worked for probably in saying, I want to show you that everything here is true. The second thing that I think is really cool about these verses that's very telling for us as we look at the book of Acts is Luke is saying, I have studied this thoroughly. I've interviewed people. I've investigated. I want to know that I want to know what's fake news and I want to know what's real news. Even before Facebook, right? That was a thing because there was still gossip and rumors. And so Luke is saying here that I have carefully investigated eyewitnesses, eyewitness reports. I've talked to the people who were there, who heard it, who saw it, who were a part of it. And Luke himself even walked with Jesus. I've investigated this thoroughly. And so Luke is saying that the gospel of Luke is his account of Jesus' life. He's saying, here's who Jesus is, here's what he did, here's how he lived and why he lived, and then Acts is part two of that. He's saying, because of who Jesus was, because of how he lived, and because of what he did, here is what he has now put into motion. So Acts is Luke part two of, because Jesus lived, here is now what this means for all of us. Here's what Jesus starts. Now we see that Luke is a historian. Luke is very well educated. Uh, I don't know Greek, honestly, but if I did know Greek as I researched all this, I've read Acts and Luke are written at a different level of Greek than most of the rest of the New Testament. They are written as a very well-educated person would write. You know, sometimes when you're talking to somebody and they start talking and things just start 
flying over your heads. I'm also not a mechanic, right? But when I go to a mechanic and all of a sudden he starts throwing out all these mechanical terms and I just get that look on my face where I shake my head and go, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about, right? Luke speaks very intelligently, and he writes very intelligently. He's a historian. He's well-educated. He was a physician. He writes approximately 25% of the New Testament. He's also a companion of Paul, who writes most of the epistles and writes most of the New Testament. He's with Paul on his journeys. He's also even with Paul in, in prison as they face imprisonment for what they believe. So he puts a lot of effort into what he writes in both Luke and Acts and interviewed many people, like I said. We can see that in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 19. Uh, it says this, But Mary kept all of these things in her heart and thought about them often. So referring to when Mary finds out she's going to be pregnant with the Son of God, this scripture says, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So these are within her emotions and within her mind. How in the world would Luke know what was in Mary's emotions and in Mary's mind? Here's how he knew. He went and talked to Mary. Mary welcomed him in. You're one of the men who was with my son. And Luke says, I want to know everything. And so Mary gets down to the deep, most inward parts of how she felt and how she thought when she found out that the Son of God was going to be within her womb. So he puts a lot of effort into his research as he writes Luke and then as he writes Acts. For what it's worth, uh, we also see uh, in Wikipedia, which is not necessarily where you need to get all your theology from, but in Wikipedia, we see about Luke uh, from the Catholic tradition that he is the patron saint of physicians, which makes sense. He was also an artist. He's the patron saint of artists. He's the patron saint of students. And he's also the patron saint of butchers. I don't know. I don't know what exactly that means, but we see that about Luke. So all that to say, he is a very intelligent, well-rounded man who put together some thoroughly good writings when he writes Luke and Acts. Now, just to give you a little visual, because sometimes I don't think that we visualize geography, especially when it's a place that we've never been. Down in uh, your lower right corner, you'll see Jerusalem. And that's where the book of Acts really begins to take place. And then you see all these other churches listed that begin to go north and west and even south and west. And that, through the book of Acts, is where the church begins to spread. It starts right here in Acts 1.1. In Jerusalem. But then something so incredible happens that it's just like a post that goes viral without social media because people just begin to talk and people begin to experience and people begin to experience something that is so incredible that they just can't contain it to themselves. And so it begins to go to the person that they know in the next village, in the next village, in the next village. So at the beginning of the book, we're down here in Jerusalem. If you go up several cities, you'll see Antioch, which is now Syria, uh, up there. And a really cool church develops right there. And that's kind of the middle book part of the book of Acts. And some really amazing things happen there. And then towards the latter part of Acts, it just begins to spread farther and farther. So that's where we're going to be going on this series. Uh, if you've been calculating in your head, wait a minute, there's a lot of chapters in Acts. 
Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take about the first half of the book and go through a chapter each week this fall. And then we're going to come back around to it in 2018, which is crazy even here coming out of my mouth that that might be around the corner. But we'll come back to the, the end part of Acts in 2018. So let's pick back up in chapter 1. We'll, we'll be in verse 3 here. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, this is referring to Jesus, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once he was eating with them, and he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he tells the apostles, the disciples, I want you to wait right here, and the Holy Spirit is going to meet you and empower you. Now, I kind of wanted to take this spot right here and camp out on the importance of waiting on God because I think that's something crucial for you to experience God's presence in your life, whether that's just taking time in the rhythm of each day where you're stopping, you're praying, you're reading Scripture, you're waiting on God so that He can empower you, or whether that's even during your week, you've got a Sabbath period of time like today when you're setting everything else aside and letting God speak to you. And that's hugely important. But as I started to kind of move that direction, I kind of felt convicted that that's, that's not what this Scripture is about here. And even though we need to have that, God's talking about something else. He's saying, I want you to wait, and I am going to empower you to be the church. Now, you have, to, you have to imagine, these disciples, the men that he's talking to right now in this moment, they were there years ago when Jesus came up to them in different situations and said, come follow me. And these men left all that they were, and they went and followed this man named Jesus because there was something amazing about him, so amazing that they were willing to leave behind everything that they had known to go and follow this man, Jesus. That's what Luke did. Even, even though he's employed probably by Theophilus, Theophilus is a believer and he says, yes, go follow Jesus. And so Luke goes and follows Jesus. These men were there. They walked with Jesus day in and day out. They saw behind the scenes, right? Sometimes it's not so good to see behind the scenes because then you go, oh, that's not quite what I expected, right? But these men were there and they knew that Jesus is who he said that he was. They heard what he taught. They were there when Jesus laid hands on the sick and saw them recover. They saw Jesus do miracles, they saw him and they knew that he was the Messiah that had come to set the world right. You see, the disciples were expecting this. And the Israelites were expecting this. They knew that one day God would send a Messiah that was going to set the world right. That would be the Savior of Israel to help Israel regain its status. Now, they weren't expecting a baby in a manger. So that's why a lot of people weren't expecting Jesus when Jesus showed up on the scene. But the disciples said, I believe this is it. This is the guy. This is the guy that is going to be the Messiah. So they invested everything that they were into following Jesus. And then Jesus gets arrested. And there's still hope there probably. But then they see him get crucified. And they see him get put into a tomb. And I think they had to be thinking to themselves, did I just fall for the biggest scam ever? 
I mean, I invested everything that I was into this guy because who I believed he said that he was and the things that I saw him do, but everything that I thought he was promising has now just gone down the drain because he's dead. I saw them put him in a grave. I saw him take his last breath. And they had to be asking themselves, what do we do now? Because everything just went down the drain. But then can you imagine three days later when they hear, what, what did you say? As, as Mary and Peter come running from the tomb saying, hey, guys, 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 he's not in the tomb anymore. He's alive. And, and we see in those verses for the next 40 days, Jesus himself meets with these guys and proves to them that he is alive. So they had to have these emotions of this is the guy to, oh no, everything just fell apart, to all of a sudden, yes, this is it. Jesus is going to take over the world. He is going to get put Israel back into prominence. And everything is going to be as it should be. We see this in verse 6. So the apostles were with Jesus and they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? The disciples now moving into the role of apostles that are going to be starting the church. And they just, it says they kept asking him. All right, if you're a parent, you know what this is like, right? We've, we've got a, a new son in, in our household. And he's got a limited English vocabulary. But one thing that he knows very much how to communicate which I can guarantee you he's thinking about right now, when is lunch? And he will ask it over and over, and I'm probably going to regret even saying that because he's probably going to start asking Tiffany any moment now. He knows how to ask over and over and over again, when do I eat again and what am I going to eat? As soon as he gets up in the morning, what's in my lunchbox today? And he just asks over and over and over. And if you're a parent, you've been there. And I think Jesus must have felt this way with the disciples a little bit. As they're saying, okay, Jesus, it's now, right? I mean, you can imagine their excitement. They were as excited as Nate gets about food, right? Because Jesus was dead and now he's alive. And Jesus, is it now? Is it now? Because we believed you were going to take over the world. And now you just rose from the dead. Let's take over. Would you put Israel back into its place? And they're asking him, is the time now? And this is a reasonable question considering Jesus just rose from the dead. And they also knew Israel's history because David used to kind of be in the wings for King Saul. And then when King Saul died, the Israel's champion David rose to prominence and he becomes the king and he puts Israel on the map in many ways. And up to that time, David had a ragtag group of guys that followed him. These are a ragtag group of guys that have followed Jesus. And they're thinking, now we're going to be like David's men were. Not only are you going to take over Israel, but we're going to be your right-hand men. So they're saying, Jesus, is it time now? Are you going to take over Israel? Are, are you going to kick tail and write down names? Is this it? And Jesus says, well, yes and no. You don't really get the whole picture of what's going on here. He says, the kingdom of God is going to be restored, but it's not going to be me. It's going to be you. And it's not going to be the old way that you're picturing in your head, but it's going to be the new way. And it's not just going to be for Israel, 
but it's going to be for everyone who would receive the kingdom of God. So he replies in verse 7, The Father alone has set the authority, the dates and the times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, until and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So these were the last words of Jesus. Right here, the very last words spoken by Jesus. You will be my witnesses, and you will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that phrase, you will be my witnesses, really stood out to me this week. When he's saying you, he's not just talking to an individual. It is a collective you. So y'all will be my witnesses, all right? To put it in terms we can understand. That will be is a promise from God. He's saying you will be. I will equip you to do this because it's not about what you do, but it's about what you are becoming. And he says you will be my witnesses, now, depending on your church background, that word may make you a little nervous. Does that mean we need to go door to door and knock or stand on the street corner with a bullhorn? What really does that mean? And a, a witness is simply one who has seen an event or an occurrence, one who attests to what they have seen or experienced, one who has personal knowledge of something or is compelled to give evidence. In other words, we simply need to tell our story. We see this throughout the book of Acts as it plays out. In Acts 4.20, we see them saying, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. In Acts 22.15, God tells Paul, for you will be my witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. The concept of witness can be a little bit scary because sometimes we think people are going to ask me about something I don't have the answer to. And that's okay. All God is asking us to do is to be available, to tell people what we have seen and what we have heard, letting them know our story. These were the last words of Jesus. Share your story and be filled with the power of God. That's plan A, and there is no plan B. This is where the church starts, right here. It's simply an invitation to engage others as the Holy Spirit empowers us. And I can promise you, if you will say, God, will you give me the opportunity to be able to share my story with someone? God will put people in situations in your path where you will have that opportunity to share who God is and what he has done in your life. The book of Acts is really awesome as it plays out. You see Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is about the first third of Acts. And uh, it covers about two years. In Jerusalem, you see people who believe in God, but their lives look nothing like God. And then we move on to Judea and Samaria. This covers about 13 years as the church spreads. And really in this area, you get what I call salad bar religion. People who believe a little bit of that, and they like a little bit of this over here, and they like a little bit of that, and then they mix it all together. They say, that's what I want to believe. And then to the ends of the earth, the gospel keeps going to people who have never even heard of Jesus before. And this is God's call on the church. Would you just simply share who you are? Would you love God 
And then would you serve others? And the message just begins to spread in a mighty way. Now, if you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you, this is a great place to jump in. Because we're going to see throughout Acts people that weren't Christians. And they were trying to figure it out. They believed a little bit of Christianity maybe, but not all of it. Or they had no clue who God was. And so these are people who are searching for answers and discovering the power of God. So you might be there yourself. I can tell you that as a freshman in college, I remember sitting on my bed. And I was a believer. But I remember flipping through the book of Acts and seeing what God did in the book of Acts and saying... God, that is what I want in my life. I don't want to just believe and do things. I don't want to just go to church. I want your life to be alive in my life. And I can look back to that one moment as I read through the book of Acts and know that that is one place in my life where my life changed. And so my prayer is that as you read the book of Acts, as we go through this series, that your life would change as well. That it would go beyond just us hearing and just us singing, but to where God is truly alive in us and it spreads from there. Listen, the fact that we're meeting here today can be directly traced back to what happened in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, where Jesus spoke to these people and said, and now go and tell. And it spread up that map and it spread around the world and it spread here to San Antonio, Texas in 2017. So my challenge for us, Rock Hills, is let's be the church that God has called us to be. We're going to close with a video, and then I'll close this in prayer. years ago Jesus told us that we are a city on a hill and the light of the world now more than ever the world needs the church to be a light in the darkness a beacon of hope a place to belong all around us neighbors family friends are desperately searching for a refuge in the wilderness for an anchor in the storm, for a place to belong. It's time to show them who the church really is. Welcome them in, welcome them back. Because it's who we are, it's who we were always meant to be. Let's remind the world that they matter to God. No matter what they've been through, no matter how far they feel from faith, no conditions, no judgment, just love, and that this is truly a place to belong. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be the church, Father. That as you invite us to wait on the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, and then you challenge us to be your witnesses, Father, simply to share our lives with the lives around us. Father, I pray that you would empower us to be the church. And if there are people here today 
that you just say, I need to get my life right. I need a fresh start. I need to start back over. I need the forgiveness of the Lord or I need to surrender my life to have what it is that you have. I just want you to simply in your heart with your own words to surrender who you are to God. Let's just take a moment. You speak to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us on the cross. Lord, that we might know you, that our sins can be forgiven. Lord, that we can be made a new creation. Lord, we want to surrender all that we are to who you are, that we might become all that you have created us to be. Lord, we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.